Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Hamilton's police budget creating pressure at City Hall. Bill 124 is causing many RPMs to contemplate their future. Payday loan places have been sent a message. More people are expected to use food banks in 2023. Another hit for the airline industry. And learn how you can improve your mental and physical health this winter. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHM. Hamilton Police presented its budget to City Council yesterday. I guess I'll be frank. The reality is this is a maintenance budget. I, I do not have that ability as my calls for service are increasing as the demands and the complexity of policing is increasing. Hamilton Police Chief Frank Bergen looking for a $12 million increase in 2023. Pat Mandy is the chair of the Hamilton Police Services Board and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Pat, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning to you. Take us into the uh, the meeting room, the, the budget deliberations. How did it go? I think it went quite well. The uh, councillors were very prepared. They obviously had read the budget. There were a lot of very good questions, and I think that the uh, chief did an excellent job in being open, transparent, answering all of the questions, and um, I, th- I think it went well. They've got all the information that uh, they could for when they begin their de- deliberations on um, on the budget. At the board level, given the current economic climate that we're in, was there any apprehension for asking for more money, knowing that it's going to put some pressure on local taxpayers? Well, the the board is responsible. Um, uh, the role of it is uh, to ensure that there is uh, adequate and effective police services in our community. So we had to look at what was that. There were no frills that were added. If you look across the country, um, what the asks of the uh, police boards have been, um, have, have been in that area and even higher. Um, as the uh, chief said, and you said earlier, the demands and the complexity continue to increase. And so the the board uh, had a subcommittee of three members, and uh, they reviewed it, brought it to the board. We had a fulsome discussion, and then approved to forward it the budget to the uh, uh, city council or uh, general uh, interest committee. Uh, Pat Mandy is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Pat is the chair of the Hamilton Police Services Board. They presented their budget for 2023 to city councillors. What would this budget or what would policing look like in Hamilton if we didn't go down this route and adding an extra $12 million? You know, I, as the board, uh, we look at the overall, uh, we get uh, updates regularly on the service, the issues, the pressures, and how we, how the police service is managing. For operations, I think we'd have to have a full discussion at board level um, with the chief and, and command about what difference that would make. I think, uh, as the chief said, this was a maintenance budget. And so I would be very concerned if we um, had to go back and, and relook um, at a at a, uh, a different um, target. Considering this is, and you mentioned it, Chief Bergen saying that this is a maintenance budget. Uh, yeah. w- with this twelve million, are we getting are we getting more officers on the street? What what more are we getting for this twelve million? Um, I think the officers. It's thirteen more officers. 
I'd have to actually go back and look at the numbers because I've got so many numbers in my head right now. <laughs> um, but the one of the things I think that, that we stressed is that we are really working with community partners. And so one of the things that we're trying to do, although it's a maintenance budget, we are trying to work with partners so that we can make those resources go further. And in fact, applied for and received some grants in which we not have just kept the money for the police service, but have shared it with community agencies supporting things like prevention or diversion. Chief so Bergen, we have, we have to look at other ways to um, to meet the need. The uh, the police chief said the complexity of policing is changing. There's been much talk of defunding the police, an idea that I don't believe in. There's also, um, you know, the notion to detask police, to make officers do, uh, I guess, less or maybe just focus on, you know, the, the core of what policing is. Is that something that is continuously a conversation at the board level? Yes, it is. It's, it's important that the police attend to police um, services and activities. There are some um, calls that the police get that could go to other organizations. Were they available, were their services available either in the evening or night? There are some calls that uh, come to the police that uh, that's, that's in people's head. Who will I call when I need help? They call 911 and ask for police. So there are, um, and it would actually benefit the uh, the uh, officers on the road not to be attending to um, unnecessary calls. Are we close now, to that when at I all? When I say unnecessary, I'm sure the person calling feels it's necessary. Sure. But if we can get the right services in the right place, that would be better. It's never happened before, Pat. A city council has never rejected a police budget. If that happens, what what happens after that? Well, it would have to come back to the board, and there would have to be uh, Frank, Frank the chief, Frank discussion about what and learn what the impact and what any alternatives do. There are there um, is uh, one last uh, um, re- request that the boards can make, or the, and the service can make to um, have a review. Interesting scenario. Let's hope it all uh, works out for Hamilton Police and the City of Hamilton. Pat, thanks for joining us this morning. optimistic. Okay, thank you. Pat Mandy is the chair of the Hamilton Police Services Board. Big decisions to make. It's also a decision that you can make in our poll question of the day today. What side of the fence do you sit on? You can go to our Twitter feed at AM900CHML. Send me an email, rick at 900CHML.com. Or join already a few of the texts that have come in, 905-645-3221. Do you want city councillors to push back against this budget request from Hamilton Police? Yeah, we can't afford it. Or no, policing is important. Let me know what you think. Think, uh, on our social media feeds and text line and email. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Bill 124. Did you hear the other day what Health Minister Sylvia Jones had to say about Bill 124? So there is no doubt that we have seen incredible work done by our healthcare professionals, nurses, uh, physicians working in emergency departments in a frankly challenging time as we still deal with the remnants of COVID-19 and other respiratory illnesses. We understand how important it is to make sure that our healthcare providers are looked after and protected in the province of Ontario. Do they? Does the government really? Recent poll by the Registered Practical Nurses of Ontario shows nearly half of RPNs in this province have considered leaving their profession because of Bill 124. 
Diane Martin is the CEO of the Registered Practical Nurses of Ontario and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Diane, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. Your reaction to Health Minister Sylvia Jones' comments, basically saying, eh, there's nothing to see here. Um, you know, I, I when I first read her comments, I thought to myself, I, I, I don't know what metrics she's using, but if you do look at the um, registration numbers of nurses in Ontario, um, they are they have not dropped, but the important piece is how much care at the bedside is taking place. Have nurses moved away from the bedside? Have nurses gone part time? Have nurses stayed at the bedside but through agencies that cost three uh, times as much to the taxpayer? Um, just in, just so and nurses do that just so they can control their working environment somewhat. And so are you seeing that with your members? We've heard that many nurses, many healthcare professionals are still in the industry. They're just not on the front lines like they used to be. Right. What we've seen is nurses who um, have gone to a category of nursing called non-practicing. We have uh, quite a number more this January than we had January of last year. January is kind of a benchmark for us. Um, We see nurses who have resigned, retired at the earliest possible date. Um, They may stay registered. Um, We see nurses who are working other jobs, but stay registered in the hopes that we'll sort it all out and they can come back and provide care. We've uh, heard, and this was actually broken by Global News, that internal documents from the provincial government show that Bill 124 has negatively impacted healthcare delivery in this province. We had the Premier just yesterday saying, nah, that's not really true. It's it's inaccurate. You know, the, the legislation itself has been ruled unconstitutional by a court. The government is is still appealing that, even knowing what they know. I just don't get it. So I I think that you uh, are experiencing what nurses are experiencing, incredible mixed messages from this government. Um, Bill 124 was struck down as unconstitutional, which did not surprise any of us because we live in a country uh, where we uh, embrace being able to negotiate a fair wage. Um, But at the same time that the government has launched an appeal to the striking down of that law. Um, we're hearing that that um, the government see us as uh, a nurses and their unions. Um, we're not a union, we're a professional association, but see them as um, fully able to go ahead and negotiate. What really is needed is the government to gather everyone together and say, okay, we've got to make this healthcare a reasonable. Um, and so let's all work together and figure out what can we do to make sure there are nurses, that nurses' um, experiences at the bedside are dealt with in a way that that um, make them uh, pre- able, to, able to do the job, basically, and um, solve the problems. Diane, we've got about 45 seconds. Do you get the sense that the Ford government is trying to lay the groundwork for more private health care in this province? I do. Um, I, I do think that um, if, if, he, if the government does not think that this um, bill is in effect anymore or will be, then what are we testing with the appeal? And I think all of us need to think carefully about that. I agree. Diane, appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Diane Martin is the CEO of the Registered Practical Nurses of Ontario. We're going to dive into this topic a little more so with what the Premier had to say yesterday, basically saying, 
all the analysis and the uh, projections and the uh, uh, the information that his own government has provided on Bill 124 and how it has negatively impacted healthcare delivery in Ontario, it's inaccurate. <laughs> it's it's fake news. Is basically what he's saying. Is it really? You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Back to social media where there was a very interesting and very telling post on Facebook. And it happened to come from the co-founder of Core Urban Inc. His name's Steve Kolakowski. uh, And he addressed the issue of payday loans and check cashing stores in this city. You look around, it seems like almost every corner, every block has one of these places. Well, Steve did something, what I think is pretty extraordinary. Let's bring him on the show and talk about it. Steve Kolakowski, co-founder of Core Urban Inc., and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Thank you. So what did you do? You you basically have um, a, a number of these payday loan places around the city, and one in particular caught your attention, and you took some action. Well, I mean, it goes goes back a few years. We we purchased a building about four years ago in Gore Park. Um, the the address is fifty nine and sixty one King Street. Um, as a you know, a plan to redevelop the building. It was mostly vacant. Uh, the upper floors, uh, pretty typical to downtown Hamilton, that there might be some main floor activity, but the upper floors were mostly unused for decades. And. Um, uh, you know, we inherited, inherited this uh, tenant, a uh, check cashing outlet on the main floor, or one of the main floor units. And, um, you know, it was, it was never our intention to have that type of business in our, any of our buildings. Uh, we're a Hamilton company. Um, we're from Hamilton. We believe strongly in Hamilton and only work in Hamilton. And, um, you know, these businesses are uh, terrible for um, you know, marginalized people. And, uh, I think we all know, you know, how bad they are for our community. So, you know, four years ago, we wanted to, to get them out. Unfortunately, we inherited a lease that, uh, didn't expire until now. And, uh, we always knew that when the day came, uh, that those discussions were going to come up, that we were not going to move forward with them as, as a tenant. And basically that, that is what has happened. You're not extending the lease of this place. What is the plan for this spot? Um, well, I mean, we re- did redevelop the, the building around it. Uh, so it's about a 40,000 square foot building. It's predominantly office space, uh, which has been challenging through COVID. But uh, there's some great companies in there. And, and I think it will be, you know, kind of, kind of a thriving building, especially in its location uh, in, you know, in some time. I mean, ground floor retail in Hamilton is not particularly strong. Um, so, I mean, it it will be a vacant unit we anticipate for the short term. Um, but I think we all are hopeful on Hamilton and uh, believe that in time a, a tenant will be there that would be better for the community. We're speaking with Steve Kolakowski, co-founder of Core Urban Inc. on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Uh, Steve basically uh, saying, uh, listen, this uh, this payday loan place, this check cashing institution will not get a new lease and uh, out they go. Are you encouraging other commercial landlords to do the same? You know, for us, we don't look at it as a big move, to be honest. I mean, we just think it's doing the right thing. And our company values have always been doing the right thing. It's the second um, outlet of this kind we, we close. We have another property at the corner, James and King, which has um, 
people would recognize it for bread bar and, and union chicken. Uh, that had a cash checking outlet in it as well, and we closed that a number of years ago. It was a very similar situation that we just wouldn't move forward with with a tenant like that. Um, you know, so for us, this is just that's just what we do. We, um, as a real estate company, I think we have a responsibility to uh, do the right thing um, and not uh, be known as kind of gentrifiers. We work really hard to. Uh, make sure that the work we do is a net positive for Hamilton. And, um, you know, we really are conscious about not leaving any, anybody behind with that, with the work that we do. It's a great vision, and uh, I would encourage other commercial landlords to do the same. This is a, a, a big move and a good move to re- help revitalize our downtown core. Steve, uh, great job in doing this. Congratulations, and we'll talk to you down the road. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Steve Kolakowski, co-founder of Core Urban Inc. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. As food prices continue to go up, we just talked about rising food prices earlier in the week, 5 to 7% higher this year after a more than 10% rise last year. It has certainly led to... Uh, substantial growth in food insecurity in this city and across the country. And so as we see food inflation become a major impediment for many people, food banks are bracing for an increase in demand in 2023. At least that's what we're finding out in a new survey by Second Harvest. It's Canada's uh, largest food rescue organization, and it shows that food banks and other uh, food charities are expecting to see a 60% increase in visits this year. And that follows a 134% overall jump last year. That's a lot of people visiting food banks. Joanne Santucci is the CEO of Hamilton Food Share and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Joanne, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Rick. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. How was the holiday season for Hamilton Food Share? Oh, my goodness. You know, it was kind of like the worst of the worst, but the best of the best all at the same time. You know, the most ever people we had estimated 30,000 would be reaching out this year. That's the most in our 32-year inception of Hamilton Food Share. The whole emergency food network braced for that. And when we got to the other side, it was actually 34,000 people served by this amazing emergency food network we have operating right here in Hamilton. That's a 41% increase since pre-pandemic values and a 19% increase over the year prior. You know, one of the alarms I think we, we were looking at is seniors, you know. Uh, last last two years, we've seen a real increase in seniors by about 34%, which is really about five times the increase we see in adults under the age of 65 as a whole. So we're watching certain segments of the population as well. But increases are on the rise, Rick. Like when we talk about more people, it, most people just visualize, well, you must just have to get more food. But if you look at capacity across the system, across Hamilton, it's more staff, more, spa- more space, more transportation, and more food, and an ability to sustain it. And I think what food banks are saying now, and I'm not sure about those numbers from um, Second Harvest, because I understand the food banking network, which was which I'm in, and everybody is under that pinch. We're all talking about how can we utilize our resources and really maximize the outcomes for what's coming in, because we don't know really where those increases are going to land or going to end. How was Hamilton Food Share able to handle the spike last year? Well, one of the things we did is, you know, 
we're very proactive in understanding what goes on in the system. We're very well connected, you know, not just locally, but regionally, provincially, and nationally. So we have access to a lot of data. And we actually uh, really added so much more to our fundraising in the last two years. So we've had special donors calling us. We've had special things going on when we saw a pocket of a dip where there might be a resource deficit. There was also... uh, so many wonderful companies who reached out to help us buy specific foods like baby formula. Like when there was a baby formula shortage here, we already had it in our system ready to go. And we also know too that it isn't about food anymore. It's about homelessness. We took a survey about 700 people last year that actually use a food bank who were coming in and asking to fill this this kind of information survey out. And 48% of them said they would become homeless if they didn't have access to a food bank. So, Rick, this is no longer about food. It's about food security. It's about life security. Everybody's being affected by it. It's a housing crisis on top of a food crisis. The two basic needs we need to survive. Joanne Santucci is the CEO of Hamilton Food Share. This uh, report from uh, Second Harvest also shows some troubling times in terms of funding or budget shortfalls for food banks and other food charities. How is Hamilton Food Share doing in that regard? Right now, I think we're holding our own, but when you look at the pandemic and the increases since then, most of our... uh, policies, procedures, everything has changed for the trends that are keep coming and keep changing. So if you look at pandemic, that extraordinary experience, everybody experienced it, of course. While people were shutting down, food share grew the emergency food system because of those increases. Then we get to the other side, set our budget, and inflation just started chewing that up. You know what I mean? And now we're being greeted with going further into this uh, financial difficulties into a recession. So we're going to be going out into our community asking for supports in different areas. We have different programs where people might want to help uh, get those programs up and running. We'll be reaching out to the city and to our food bank partners across the province to see what we can do as a group, as a group of synergizing all of our resources together against hunger in communities across not just Hamilton, but across the province as well. This report also points to the fact that many organizations are going to need more perishable and non Unperishable food items this coming year. Are, are there items at the top of the list that Hamilton Food Share would like to see more donations of? I think when you look at, uh, we see things and we call it, I call it conditions, right? Whether it's frozen, non-perishable or chilled. And that's how I see things now. So I think we have a, a good complement of each thing, of each, uh, uh, you know, kind of different category coming in. But of course, if we have more people, we're going to need more food and greater access. And it may mean buying more food than we'll, then we're able to actually pull in in donations. So you look at the uh, the food industry itself too. They're they're also having challenges. Even though there's exorbitant prices in there, they're also having challenges keeping uh, food stocks. Uh, there's going to be supply chain. Uh, challenges throughout that year and we need to be prepared prior to them happening anyone who wants to make a donation to hamilton food share that can go online hamiltonfoodshare.org joanne always appreciate your time thanks for joining us today thank you Rick. joanne santucci ceo of hamilton food share that those are astonishing numbers Thirty-four thousand users in 2022 the most easily since uh, before the pandemic you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml what a day it was yesterday in the united states absolute chaos confusion consternation as the federal aviation administration the faa grounded thousands of planes due to a computer outage uh, reporter sam sweeney says it was a key system that went down 
and it alerts pilots to certain dangers or things that they should know about on their planned routes. And if a pilot doesn't have this information, of course, that could become a problem. So they took this step to keep uh, pilots and planes on the ground until they could get it resolved. But the big question now is why did it happen? Yeah, why did it happen? Let's bring in our next guest. Keith Mackey is an aviation safety consultant with Mackey International and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Keith, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm fine. It sounds like it was... They really had a, a mess going on yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like um, pilots were kind of flying blind. Is that basically how you would describe it? Well, the system, which used to be called the Notice to Airmen, and it's been changed to Notice to Air Mission, to be politically correct, uh, had a problem on Tuesday, actually. And as they went through the uh, system, they found two corrupted files, one in the backup and one in the main system. And they worked with it most of the night and then decided they needed to do a reboot, which took longer than necessary. So at about 7.30, with the system not up and running yet, the decision was made to uh, halt departures. And by 8.15, they actually had the system back online again. But it was 9 o'clock and later before all the flights began to uh, get back in the air normally. Now, of course, in the system, if you delay the early morning flights, you're delaying all the connections that those flights make, both for the airplanes, the crews, and the passengers. So consequently, it just builds upon itself during the day. And we had to throw in some bad weather that we had on the West Coast, and it really made a mess. So we had over 5,000 flights delayed just because the system needed to be rebooted. Wow. The uh, the White House says there's no evidence of a cyber attack, which uh, I think is a big sigh of relief if, if that happens to be true. But how protected is this system? Is it vulnerable to an attack, or is this pretty ironclad? It's pretty ironclad. I mean, the FAA is very uh, secretive about where all the servers are for these things and how the system really works. Uh, if someone were going to attack it, that this probably wouldn't have been the part of the system that they would have uh, attacked. Uh, the information that's provided really is uh, uh, timely information of things that are changing rapidly. For example, if the president were to fly to a certain city, they would close a number of airports around that city, airspace restrictions. The same for a major sporting event. Uh, during the winter, if we get a snowstorm, uh, the runway braking conditions may not be good in some areas. So the pilots would want to know about that so that they could plan poor braking actions. If uh, the lights on a tower near an airport weren't functional, that's important too. The beauty of the system is the way it works is if you're going from uh, point A to point B, it's only going to give you the information you need to make that flight. It isn't going to give you the entire database of all the things that are important around the country. So it, it doesn't overload you. It tells you what you need to know without uh, providing a lot of information that isn't applicable to the flight. Could pilots still have taken to the skies? And if not, I'm sure the FAA is, is now formulating some kind of emergency or backup plan should this happen again. Oh, there would be nothing to physically prevent them from flying. The only thing is the system that provides information to pilots need to know information was down. And that's a requirement to have those NOTAMs on board and available uh, before you take off for the airline world. So it's an automatic thing. 
Uh, yes, it is. That's yeah. part of the dispatch release that we get every day when we figure out the amount of fuel we're going to need. It's dependent on the weather and things like that. So the, the NOTAMs are important. And uh, this is the first time I can recall them ever not uh, working properly. Hmm. So I, I, there's those out there who say, oh, well, the whole system needs to be overhauled. And really, we don't know that. It, it sounds like it was just a glitch that got in the system and an unusual one because it affected both the primary and the backup system. So I, I, I'm in favor of giving them the benefit of the doubt, hoping they've got it fixed and it's not going to happen again. We've got a couple more minutes with Keith Mackey, aviation safety consultant with Mackey International here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. As, as you know, it hasn't been a very good month or so for the airline industry, has it? No. Uh, the, the way the industry works, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of disruption to start a chain event that uh, affects flights throughout the day. If, if you're going to fly somewhere, it's much more likely that the morning flights will get you there on time because the delays affect the afternoon and the evening flights a lot more because that's the end of the uh, uh, the chain, if you will, where the delays are compounded because of things that happened earlier in the day. So it's affected by weather. It's affected by crew duty times. If someone calls in sick, that can disrupt an entire flight if it's a required crew member. Uh, in smaller cities, there may not be a replacement. So it can go on and on and on. And a, a glitch in the NOTAM system is only part of it. And certainly we've experienced this with Southwest Airlines and all their problems. Uh, uh, that issues point toward their system and the way they're doing things. I'm sure that's... Uh, under review right now to see if that can be prevented from happening again in the future. Keith, thank you for your time and adding some insight into this topic. You're very welcome, Rick. Keith Mackey is an aviation safety consultant with Mackey International. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's new data out from Participation that shows how winter is impacting our mental health and that even just a few minutes of exercise can help brighten your day. Lee Vanderloo is an exercise scientist with Participation and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Lee, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. I got to ask off the top, how does someone become an exercise scientist? Because that sounds like a cool job. Oh, <laughs> I was just in school for a long time. I <laughs> <laughs> did my PhD and uh, yeah, then went out, started getting some work experience. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's a great field and I've been able to specialize in something I'm really passionate about. And it's pretty cool. So, Dr. Vanderloo, winter, as you know, is a tough time for many when it comes to, you know, our physical and our mental health. How can even a little bit of activity benefit both uh, ourselves physically and mentally? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great um, it's a great question in that, you know, oftentimes when we think about physical activity, the first things that come to mind are the benefits we're going to get, you know, in terms of, you know, our heart health or how it's going to improve, um, you know, our body composition or aspects of physical fitness. And while those are certainly true, uh, what we tend to overlook is the benefits that we get from a brain health perspective. So either how we think and learn, and most importantly, and especially now, um, in terms of our mental health, and that's the great thing in that just a single bout of physical activity is going to produce some really meaningful and positive benefits to, for our mental health, 
Whereas some of these other physical benefits that we are going to gain from physical activity, we won't really see them until we've, um, you know, been active or really being consistent for a couple weeks or months at a time. Um, so that's why, you know, when we're looking for ways to help boost our moods, to ensure we have better energy and better sleep, um, I think trying to sneak in a little bit more activity is definitely going to put us on the right path. When it comes to, and I'm not sure this exists, but is there a magic number in terms of activity minutes that we should be looking at in a particular day or even uh, whether you have, you know, uh, an hour to concentrate on doing something physically? What is that sweet spot in terms of the attention paid to, to getting in some exercise? Hmm. So um, national guidelines recommend that adults strive for 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity per week. And so that breaks up to about, you know, just over 20 minutes a day um, if we're looking across uh, the week. Now, when we think about intensity, that's going to be, um, you know, we're going to be breathing a little bit harder. We might be feeling warmer, starting to sweat, um, and our heart rate's going to be up a little bit more too. Now, The great thing is that, you know, oftentimes, and as you just mentioned, that, you know, when we think about activity, we think about like, well, if I can't do at least an hour, if I'm not going all out full power all the time, what's the point? And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. There's no such thing as bad movement and something is better than nothing. Um, And we do know from research in that just 15 minutes alone, a single bout of 15 minutes of physical activity, even if it's just doing some vigorous housework or going for a quick walk, you know, throughout your work day around, uh, you know, the block, around the office building, um, is going to produce some really meaningful results for our mental health. So we're going to feel a little less stressed less overwhelmed, we're going to have a decrease in stress hormones circulating in the body. So things such as adrenaline, as well as cortisol. And we're also going to get a boost of those much needed brain chemicals such as serotonin and dopamine that are responsible for boosting positive moods and positive thoughts. I got to say, I did a quick 15-minute workout yesterday at home, and I felt really good afterwards. And I didn't think I was was a little sore because, you know, I hadn't done it in in a while, but uh, I'll get back into it. But one of the the things I like to do, we only have about a minute here, is walking up and down the stairs. You're, You're inside, you're still warm, you know, you got the heart rate going a little bit. Is there another simple activity we could do at home? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, never overlook the power of when you're doing your housework. Everyone's got to do it. You got to clean that housekeeping. That gets the heart rate up. Throw on some music. Do it with a little bit more vigor. Um, Any form of even stretching, um, yoga, whether you do it on the floor or seated yoga is another great alternative, depending on your abilities. Um, And walking is a great example. You can increase the intensity, like you said, taking the stairs, looking for inclines covering the same distance in a shorter period of time or increasing your distance. It doesn't need to be complicated. Just choose something that you enjoy and try to do a little bit more movement every single day. I also want to direct our listeners to the website participaction.com and download the free Participation app. There is a Move for Your Mood challenge going on from January 16th to the 31st, so you can enjoy that as well. Dr. Vanderloo, we got to run, so to speak. Thanks for joining us today. 
Thanks so much for having me. Ex Dr. Lee Vanderloo, exercise scientist at Participation. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.